Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Hope you're having a good weekend so far. I'm with you until seven this Saturday morning. After six, I'm in conversation. But first, it's the best of Steve Allen. My weekly roundup of some of the best bits from my early breakfast shows, starting with this. Big Brother, is that really how you celebrate women? Is that really what it's all about? I mean, really, I ask you. Goodness sake. Even Emma Willis was slightly doubtful about it. And then to make it worse, they had Ryland presenting. I mean, explain that one to me. He's not a woman. You know, doesn't look like a woman, doesn't talk like a woman. Just talks like a very, very bad Essex gay. And so he was on there. And then at one point, Emma Willis said, oh, you know, you raised your eyebrows. He said, I can't raise my eyebrows. Because he's, he's been Botoxed up. <gasps> oh, dear. Tuned in to see which celebrities, Steve, says Glenn's in Celebrity Big Brother. Who are they? Well, one is a, a former police officer who sorted out Rochdale and everything. But she's not a celebrity. She's a serving police officer. She was. Anne Widdicombe. Not her again. Uh, a couple of Americans that you've never heard of. Uh, some, some woman. I, I really didn't know who she was, actually. I, and even after I was told who she was, I was none the wiser. And uh, the only person who keeps it together is Emma Willis. But even, you know, and they were going, oh, this is this is for women. So they dragged in a selection of poor women to go and sit there in the Big Brother's Little Brother or whatever it's I can't remember what it's called. It's got, it's got Rylan on it. And, um, and you sort of watch this thing and you think, is this what it's about? They're going to do just three or four days of only women, you know, by which time it probably could have got to people throwing things at each other, I can well imagine. And, uh, and then they're going to bring in blokes. One of them was going to be uh, Rodrigo Alves, you know, the one who had all the surgery to make him look like the doll Ken. Unfortunately, he doesn't. It just looks like Ken's very bad lesbian sister. And it uh, doesn't quite work at all. Why can't they just go and find more women? Is that, is that really difficult for them? Obviously, yes. Obviously, yes is the answer. But I'm with you, Glenis. I mean, I, I have been through the names a few times. And, uh, and I'm, I don't know who they are, some of them. It, but it's Americans. If it's, if it's American, I don't know who they are. And I have to hold my hands up and say, to be honest with you, I couldn't care less whether somebody's Caitlyn Jenner's best friend or Kim Kardashian's best friend forever kind of rubbish. It's this American garbage, isn't it, that comes out. Who's this one in the house that I couldn't work out who she was? I mean, I really didn't know. It could be Ashley James from Made in Church. She's 30. They're getting a bit old now, aren't they, these old moggies? Uh, Malika is uh, Kim Kardashian's pal. That's her claim to fame. She's a friend of Kim Kardashian. Rachel Johnson, we know because she's been on In Conversation. Anne Whittacombe, former Tory MP. Uh, Amanda Barry, the oldest in there. And India Willoughby, who's a, a trans newsreader. Do they have to keep saying that? Is that, is that important nowadays? I thought the idea was, who was it who wrote something? Oh, there was one, one person on their Twitter said, cutting somebody's off does not make them a woman. And somebody went, excuse me, is that, is that transphobic? You know, admittedly, you know, when you read stories about men who become women and then they have a baby, it's because they're women medically inside. You can't, you can't sort of put stuff into men to make them give birth to babies. Look it up yourself at home. Yes, I know. Oh, I knew who it was. I just couldn't say who it was. Yes. <laughs> what do you think Rachel Johnson is doing on Big Brother? She can't need the money. She owes, she's the only Johnson sibling who seems to have any common sense till now, says David. Oh, I like I like Rachel. She's been on in conversation, and um, she, because it, you've got to sort of mix it up a bit. You've got the the, the few bimbo people, and uh, you know who we go. Who are you? 
And then you've got people like Rachel, who's, who's very sensible. Uh, Steve, with Anne Widdicombe locked away in the, uh, in the CBB house, if only we had a popular radio presenter who does a good impression of her, says Andy. Well, if only. <laughs> Where would you get one at this time of the morning, eh? Well, somebody who did an impression of Anne Widdicombe when, when they said to her, Anne, would, would you like to put this T-shirt on? No, I won't. Is, is, is it possible, Anne, to go and have a look round your bedroom? No, it isn't. She didn't want people going in a bedroom. Do you remember when they did that programme? Louis Theroux, wasn't it? And he, he said, oh, I'd like to have a look in your bedroom. No, you can't. She was very obstreperous about the whole thing. I thought, you're just a little angry woman. That's it. I mean, you know what she needs. You know what she needs, don't you? you know, we all know what she needs. A diet. And, uh, and possibly a bloke at the same time. I think that's what she's missing in her life. But what sort of bloke would she attract? I don't know. I mean, in her days... No, start that one again, Stephen. That's not going to work, is it? No, no. But she was apparently she's been out with men before, and I don't know why she hasn't got one now. I mean, she must have met loads of people who like powerful women, and went, no, I won't. You know, and and you just sort of can you imagine Anne Widdicombe on a few bevies? I quite like that idea. I mean, she might sort of turn out to actually be quite a bit of fun. And ask Andrew Pierce. He's been out with her for lunch. What does she talk about? Do you think? What does she talk about? God alone knows. Uh, Steve, they should put Jordan. In the Big Brother house, along with her friends who Kieran had an affair with. That should make interesting television. Now, that's naughty. That's very, very cruel. But you're absolutely right. Uh, that would make a very interesting programme. Kieran could be there and they can go. And so she, could, she wouldn't know about it. You could bring in Jordan, sit her in the corner, and she could sort of smile at everybody. You wouldn't know she was smiling because she got uh, her face. And then they could... And here's, here's... And they could bring in the first of the two friends that Kieran has had the affair with. And then bring in the nanny. That would be brilliant. See, that would make a lively programme. Because Kieran by himself is a bit boring. He's a bit dull. He's, and also, he's, he's sort of, he's, he's lost it now anyway. I mean, no, never had it really. Well, he did have it. That was the trouble, didn't it? And, um, and so that, that was very, it's very naughty, but very entertaining. Anybody listening from Big Brother, go on, go on, do it. Want to make something interesting, but don't, don't tell her. Make it a surprise. Make it a surprise. Steve Allen on LBC. Somebody says, what a treat, you and Julian Clary. Happy seventh day of Christmas. Uh, what do we get on the seventh day of Christmas? I can't remember if it's five gold rings or we already had the gold rings. Two calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves and a partridge and a pear tree on the seventh. Oh, it's seven swans are swimming. No chance in this building. We don't have enough water for them, so uh, definitely not. Seven swans are swimming, six geese are laying... Five gold rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge and a pear tree. Look at that. How cool am I? On the eighth day of Christmas, my true... What, are the, what happens on the eighth day of Christmas? The eight... Oh, sorry, on the eighth day of Christmas, my true love, go to me. Eight maids are milking, seven swans are swimming, six geese are laying. Five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge and a pear tree. On the ninth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me nine ladies dancing, eight maids a-milking, seven swans a-swimming, six geese a-laying, five gold rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves and a partridge and a pear You don't get this on any other programme. I defy... You can flip round every radio station and you won't find anybody doing this. On the tenth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me ten lords a-leaping, Nine ladies dancing, eight maids are milking, seven swans are swimming, six geese are laying, five golden rings, four... You know the rest. Uh, On the eleventh day of Christmas my true love gave to me eleven pipers piping. (laughs) 
Ten lords a-leaping, nine ladies dancing, eight maids a-milking, seven swans a-swimming, six geese a-laying, five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a bird tree. On the twelfth day of Christmas my true love gave to me twelve... Dr- it was getting really bad by this time. Twelve drummers drumming, eleven lords a-leaping, eleven pipers piping, ten lords a-leaping... Nine maids are milking, lady dance. Oh, what the hell! It's amazing if you remember it all, isn't it? Really, we used to do in the car when we were on long car journeys. We do the ten green bottles hanging on the wall. You know the one that goes, and if one green bottle should act, and we used to start off with one thousand six hundred and seventy green bottles. If it was a long journey, you know, on the one thousand bottle, and then we used to get confused by the thing anyway. All good stuff, actually. Uh, Eddie says you'd only sing like that if you've been on the sherry. On the sherry. (laughs) And Carol says, Steve Allen, how lovely to be serenaded by Steve Allen at uh, 03.30 New York City time. Such talent. I know. You're very lucky to get it for free, actually. And and Stephen Francis, for goodness sake, can't you whistle? It's very cruel. Why are people so cruel? He's probably in France, that's why. Very cruel, very cruel. Twelve days of Christmas, more appropriate. Ten lords are sleeping, Steve. Been laughing for ages at your quip at the shutters coming down and doors slamming as you walk by. That's the way it goes, I'm afraid. But uh, 358 days till Christmas and everyone a gem with you. It is, isn't it? I don't, I don't like to not think. We've still got the tree in the studio. Still got the, uh, and the lights work, I think. Pretty certain they do. Actually, the one thing I ran out of the other day was batteries. I don't know why I'm telling you that. It's got nothing to do with you. But uh, I've got some, uh, some candles that take batteries. And so I need to go out and get... I thought that I actually had loads of them, but I didn't. And uh, so I've, I've lost the blooming things. Uh, Steve, as kids, we used to sing... Ten sticks of dynamite. You know, if one stick of dynamite had accidentally fall, there'd be no sticks of dynamite and no bleeping wall. That's how it used to go, wasn't it, really? Thank you, John. How nice. Class, as always. I love it when people sort of write and tell me these things. But that was, you know, your... They used to do an advert for Pepsodent toothpaste. And it says, You'll worry where the yellow went when you brush your teeth with Pepsodent. And all the kids were singing, You wonder where your red has gone when you brush your teeth with an atom bomb. And we'd start sort of <laughs> doing these stupid things. It's like, you know, We three kings from Orientar, one in a taxi, one in a car, one on a scooter, peeping his hooter, following yonder star. Uh oh. And then you go into the chorus. And then you had while shepherds washed their sh- their socks by night. We used to sing this quite normally. Nowadays, somebody well, that's absolutely that's blasphemy. Can't sing things like that. Good heavens above! But as I say, I don't think the baby Jesus is particularly worried about that. It's not going to change anything at all. This is LBC with Steve Allen. With the old school glamour, year-round sunshine, and beautiful beaches, Prince Harry has whisked his fiancée off to the French Riviera, and so he's gone on an economy flight with seats next to the toilets. Yeah, because if he sits at the back of the plane, they can get him off the back of the plane. If he sits in the front of the plane, everybody knows it's him, don't they? Sources say they flew out of Heathrow on New Year's Eve on a scheduled British Airways flight to Nice in an attempt to remain incognito. Wait for this. This is their idea of incognito. The plane boarded... uh, The pair boarded their 9.55am flight before any other passengers and headed straight to the back of the plane next to the rear toilets. They also took up three rows of economy seats either side of the aisle, even though there were only themselves and three edgy and nervous bodyguards in the party. Uh, Harry apparently slumped down next to the window, dressed in jeans, a jacket and with a baseball cap pulled over his face. 
I mean, they just don't want to mingle with you lot peasants, do they, really? They just really don't. Why couldn't they just sort of sit there and people go, oh, by the way, we have Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. People would be thrilled. They obviously let it slip. But uh, she was uh, next to him in a black beanie hat and minimal makeup. According to one fellow traveller, the aircraft actually took off several minutes early, much to the surprise of other passengers. And, uh, and then they, they disembarked, ready to be whisked through the VIP area. So there you go. They would have had security at the other end as well. So they were allowed onto the plane earlier than anybody else. And they had three rows of seats. Three rows of seats around them. I mean, really? That's... You'd still try. I'd be doing a selfie. I'd be taking. It. Of course you would. Look at the. You know, the this is this is this this sort of. Um, this is who was on the plane with me. These were my. You know, I'd move into one of those seats, and people say, "I'm um, sorry, you can't move here, sir." Why? Why? Why can't I? What is the reason? Do tell me. Well, because you just can't. That's all they would say to you. They wouldn't say anything else. And you go, "Well, I want to sit there. I don't feel very well." Well, you'll have to go and sit somewhere else, sir. Why? Explain to me why. What, because Harry and Meghan are sitting there? Come on. We would... I mean, you could be, he probably longs for a decent chat. We could have a chat about Love Island and Coronation Street and how much the wedding's costing and stuff like that. And would he be bringing all her family over? All of them? And, uh, you know, and where will they be put up? Will they be in a travel lodge or will they be staying in Windsor Castle? Imagine the people in Windsor Castle going, you're not bringing the family. And they go, well, of course she's bringing the family over. They're, they'll be sort of popping over. Whether or not I see her pregnant, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't see her pregnant at this precise moment in time, lest anybody listening thinks I've got some inside knowledge on it. But I'm curious as to know whether or not Harry would make a good father or whether or he's, he's just out for a bit of a good time. Because they get off the plane, you know, with their obligatory glasses on. Harry's probably wearing a pair of ripped jeans. They've really got no sense of fashion whatsoever. Phil says... Were people allowed to use the toilets or were they freshly painted for Har Harry and Meghan? I don't think they paint toilets on aircraft, do they? But also, do you think people said, oh, you can't use the toilets? Uh, because you'd have to go past them. Somebody going, guess who's at the back of the plane? You know, looking miserable. You know, you'd think they'd be really happy that they've got that sort of, that privilege of, you know, shoving us down the front. And, uh, and they can take up all that room. You don't need it. If it was the Queen, I could understand it. She takes normal flights. But uh, I don't think they have these sort of huge... What, what would make the difference? Do they not, are they not used to people talking to them or something? I thought they spend their life talking to people. I was reading in the paper at the weekend that the government have a potential problem with wedding invitations for Harry's wedding. Harry became friends with Barack Obama during the Invictus Games. They're hoping that he isn't invited as Trump won't be. And as he's such a dope, we'll take it as a snub, says Anne. Oh, sorry, says, uh, says Jan. Too big your pardon. Yes, I don't... I mean, I don't, I'd love to see what the inv invite list is. As I'm age, I think I'll be at the top of the list. Steve Allen has been invited from uh, LBC. Yeah, Trump will say, if, if people don't get invited, they always come up with an excuse like, well, he certainly couldn't go anyway because he's far too busy with things. And that's their way of getting out of it. So that's how it happens. And uh, somebody, I see Meghan being pregnant soon after the marriage to have a child about March 2019 to gloss over Brexit. Oh, do you, you really think, actually? <laughs> that would be. I just don't see her being pregnant. I really don't. I don't know why. I just don't see Harry pushing a pram. I mean, they have people who do that, don't they? Not, not necessarily them. But I suppose he'll have to do it to keep up with the brother. Steve Allen on LBC.
In a move that has left foreign policy veterans with their mouths agape, President Trump taunts Kim Jong-un quite literally over the size of America's nuclear button. The U.S. leader urges someone in what he calls the depleted and food-starved North Korean regime to tell Kim Jong-un that his nuclear button is smaller than Donald Trump's and America's has the added advantage of working. It's unclear whether any of the president's national security staff signed off on his tweet. My button's bigger than your button, your button's smaller than my button, my button. We're all going to die. It's just, it's just, it's like two children, isn't it, sitting there, I've got a bigger button. I mean, you only have to look at Kim Jong-un to realise that his button will be teeny tiny. You know, and, and it doesn't necessarily work all the time. Uh, I should imagine Donald Trump's button is teeny tiny as well. But, you know, it is, it's the posturing, isn't it? It's this sort of da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I'm thinking, shut up. Just shut up. We don't care about the size of your button. Do you think it's marked war? Do you think the button is marked war? Is it, is it like in the film War Games, where it's all, all the buttons are under these little protective caps and you lift the cap up and then you push the button and then the, the silos open and then they sort of fire these missiles? Because, you know, if Kim Jong, little short fat idiot from North Korea, decides to push his little button on the desk and he does set up his things, America is going to unleash, you know, such an amount of firepower, there'll be nothing left of North Korea. I wouldn't mind, but these poor starving people in the country where everybody looks emaciated because they've got no money, they've got no food. Have you seen their national television? Have you seen it? God in heaven, you're suicidal just watching that. I mean, do you think the button has a sign saying, do not press? You know, on, if seriously, you won't like it. You know, but I, I think it is, I think it's the trouble is over the years, arrogant, big-headed, waste-of-space Trump has, has sort of bullied his way through everything. So he thinks that by dealing with other leaders in the world like that, it's going to get him what he wants, whereas I don't think it is. Seriously, I've, I've started downsizing this year, just in case it's the decision has been made for me. Donald Trump's button, Steve, says Keith has two words printed on it. Fisher-Price. <laughs> Imagine, can't you? <gasps> and uh, Nigel says Trump's button would look big next to his small hands. Do you think they really have a button? I mean, is there, is there really a button that says, you know, push and everything gets launched and things like that? It can't be that simple, can it? Steve Allen on LBC. Did anybody see a huge bright green meteor shoot across the sky? Nearly fell off my bike, says Kari. Yes, people were saying they thought it was a UFO. It was, well, it might have been a firework or something. People saw it and they went, oh, look, it's a UFO. It was a green light that went across the sky. I suspect it was probably a firework. But as I say, what do I know? Every time I say that no such thing as UFOs, I get inundated with people writing to me saying, well, you don't know, do you? There are stranger things out there and uh, there might be UFOs. And of course, there might be, but there isn't. Uh, so I always tell people that and that gets people very angry because they go, well, you should have an open mind. I have an open mind, very open mind. There still isn't. OK, that hasn't changed in any way, shape or form. You know, but what about crop circles? Don't exist. OK, done by students. Everybody knows that unless you're a complete idiot. You know, you can find enough sort of people to go, oh, they're made by flying saucers. They come down and say, so in other words, this flying saucer comes over a field in Wiltshire, sends down beams of light and causes a crop circle. For what reason? And the people who love crop circles will say to you, well, it's because they're sending us a message. Why don't they just send an email like everybody else? Pick up the phone and call us. Hello, we are from the planet Zog. Oh, great. Um, uh, going well? Well, we've been leaving you little messages and fields for donkey's years now. And so far you've not replied to them. Well, we can't read them, can we? 
Um, well, we, we sort of wanted to come and be friends with you. Well, why don't you just land in Trafalgar Square? We'll have a little chat, pop in the studio. Go and see Steve Allen. He's got an open mind about things like that. I'd be, I'd, if somebody walked through this wall now and sat down, I'd give him an interview. You wouldn't believe it, would you, if I said that somebody had arrived in the studio and it's a shimmering shape that keeps changing. It's a shape changer or something like that. And people go, no, it isn't. And I go, yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we call Aussie boy, isn't it? Shape changer. We never know from one day to the next what shape he's going to be. But, you know, I'm prepared to, you know, if, if I think I can get mileage out of something, good grief, I'm going to do it. Of course I am. Absolutely. Uh, Carrie says, there's no way it was a firework. This thing was a huge, circular, intensely bright green light with a tail. All right, it was a firework with a tail. What are you saying? You know, are you saying it's a flying saucer? You know, have we been invaded? Have we got... Hello. You know, are we... No, we're not. It's a, it'll be a firework or something like that. Or just... Or failing that, it'll be a plane. Or it could be all sorts of things, but it's not a flying saucer, OK, from another planet. You know, just to kind of dispense with the, with that one. I know people want to be, uh, you know, impressed by flying saucers and little green men from outer space. But I promise you, it's not going to happen. It's not like in E.T. where in the middle of the forest, you know, and it lands and this thing and then it takes da, 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 and it takes off and we all go, oh, it's E.T. E.T. phone home. And it, it's not like that. I'm sorry, but uh, it's ridiculous. You know, but it's nice to believe in. So if you want to believe in it, that's great. And you can probably find loads of like minded people on the Internet. That's not difficult to find loads of other Looney Tunes who are out there going, yeah, we're going out to visit crop circles and take pictures. It's students. I'm telling you, it's done on graph. But that's why they're, that's why they're cleverly done. And people say they're far too complicated to be students. No, believe you me, students are very clever on graph paper. They've done it and they know what it's, you know, what more can I say? Even if people saw the students making it. And one of these days, and I'm hoping that most of the students have filmed themselves so they can eventually go, listen, here is us making it. And there'll still be people going, I don't think you did. Because people want to believe, don't they? Philip in Bournemouth says an unidentified flying object is just that. It doesn't have to be extraterrestrial, which is quite likely, quite unlikely to be. Yes, that's what, it's, it's an unidentified flying object is exactly that. They don't know what it is. It doesn't identify itself until they've probably taken a close-up picture. It could be a drone, and I know you think that's a bit ridiculous, but a friend of mine's got one. They sell one in Costco at the moment. It's a thousand pounds, and it was the one that we had on Christmas Day. But a friend of mine got his for six hundred, and this thing can go seven kilometres, seven kilometres away from you standing there with the control panel, and because it's got cameras on it, you can see where it's going, and it goes up vertically. It's like something out of a film. It's uh, quite amazing. Leading Britain's conversation, LBC with Steve Allen. The couple who don't want to live in Bell End anymore. They're sort of, they're fed up. They've been living there for ages. Now they've decided they're going to complain about it. And uh, it's a shame. I mean, also, they've got Fanny Hands Lane, you know. And apparently they've also turned down loads of company names, which are slightly sort of odd. Uh, Minge Lane, uh, Crotch Crescent and Slag Lane. Very popular. And uh, Cockshoot Close. I often wonder, there's a road in Campbellwell called Bell Enden Road. I mean, who, com- but who comes up with Minge Lane? I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of—it's not really funny, is it? It's just a bit stupid. And Slag Lane. I know that slag is what you get from a coal mine, and that's you know you have slag heaps and all the rest of it. But who in their right mind would ever cam- come up with Fanny Hands Lane, unless Fanny Hands was a famous person? 
I think Danny LaRue used to have a, a character called Fanny Farquharson, and she was very popular as well. Whether it was a lane, I don't know. We've got all sorts of things. I've got listeners who live in odd, you know, lanes. I've got uh, 31 rude pr- pr- place names for you, some repeatable. I've got Back Passage, because that's in, uh, that's in EC1. Beaver Close. Uh, Bell End, very popular. This one in Worcestershire. Butt Hill Road. Cockermouth in Cumbria. And uh, a little village called Cox. And they say, please drive carefully. Crotch Crescent. <laughs> Can't do that one. <laughs> What's oh, Fanny Hands Lane? We found Fanny Hands Lane. <laughs> Is that your sign? Fine Bush Lane. And also, can't do that one either, can I? Friars Entry. Mm, Horny Old Road. Horny Old Road. That's all funny. Jackass Lane. Uh, no, I'm not doing that one either. There's so many that I can't do because you go, that's, that's too much, Steve. Minge Lake, North Piddle. You see, North Piddle sounds quite funny. Peniston. <laughs> South, West Yorkshire. Pratt's Bottom. We know Pratt's Bottom very well. Very well indeed. Uh, it's a pl- I can't do that one. Uh, Sandy Balls. We know about that one. It's a caravan site. Scratchy Bottom. Ooh, I come from Scratchy Bottom. Can't do that one. Slag Lane, very popular. Can't do that one either. Spanker Lane. And then... That's another place. Wet Wang. <laughs> Muff. I love the ham sandwich. It becomes quite dreary by that time, doesn't it? Just in case you've got any others, keep them to yourself, OK? We're not inviting uh, anything from people saying, oh, I live in a funny place called, you know, this, that and the other. We know all about them now. We've, we've done all the names that matter. <laughs> so I don't, why are these people who are in this home complaining about the name now? Why would you, if, if you live in this, in this lane, presumably it's been called that for ages and ages. That place. And, and you think, if, if that has been called for ages, why would you complain about it now? Is it because you've just moved in? Or is it because you sort of think, no, we don't want a rude name? Because, I mean, if you lived in Lower Piddle, you know, I'd, I'd be quite proud of that. Because that's, I think that's an old-fashioned name. I think there's Higher Piddle, too. I think. And, uh, and Pratt's Bottom. I think that's actually quite, quite exciting a name. But people then said, oh, I don't want to live. Well, don't buy a house there. That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? If, if you're sort of one of these people who's offended, I don't think I've ever lived in anywhere with a funny name. I don't think so. I was trying to think about all the places I've, I've lived in over the years, and I don't think any of them had, had what you would interpret as a funny name. Is yours a normal name? So the, I mean, sometimes roads get named after people who are local celebrities, and they've, they've done something good. So that's why I think, um, you know, t- could be a Mr. T- or something, or a Mrs... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Did you take it out last time? Oh, right. Well, it's in the papers. I can't help it. If it's printed in the papers, I just sort of I just sort of do it because it's a name there. If the paper's printed, I mean, it does... It's a place that exists. What do you have to say? And now we've got a request in for Mrs. So-and-so of... And then you have to leave it blank again, which is ridiculous. If it's, if it's called that and it's, on, it's got a postcode... Has it got a postcode? Well, there you go, then. I shall say the name again in a minute. <laughs> because somebody complaining, you think, but that's where somebody lives. So, if, if, and I'm assuming there's more than one people, one person that lives there. And if you can't say the name, so if, if you sort of all of a sudden didn't hear something, that's because I said a rude word. Some of them I couldn't, some of them were even ruder than that. But I didn't do them deliberately to shock you. I'm not that sort of, I'm not a shock jock. I don't do those sort of things. I just, and I, it never even crossed my mind until I saw the flashing light that sort of something had gone on. Is that a rude word now? Is it? Re- oh, well, there you go. 
See, who'd have known? Who'd have known? See, to me, a rude word years ago. I mean, we used to tell a joke. Ready? And the joke was, when we were at school, when we'd have been little nine-year-olds, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't swear. Bloody hell, I've left my pipe in the pub. And that was... We used to tell that and fall about laughing. That was the funniest thing that we'd ever said. And, and you listen back to it now and you think, that's so stupid. And yet now there is somebody living at 34, you know, upper lane in this place. And, um, and you think to yourself, well, it's, it's OK, isn't it? Because if you live there, presumably the postman is also used to people taking the mickey because he delivers to all the houses in that name. And that was, that was just one of the names... Out of many, which uh, which the producers decided to oops, to censor this morning, he's decided we're not going to have rude rude words on the program. So I'll do them this evening at the Hippodrome instead. <laughs> I don't think I will actually. Uh, oh, we've got a brush. <laughs> Even later for the break now. Fancy pushing the button on that? Honestly, wasn't that rude a word? Uh, tweet to Neil. That's the place we can't say. Okay, I've, I've tried it twice and I couldn't get through. Steve Allen on LBC. I'll say it again for the final time. Happy New Year. Everybody going, we're really suffering quite badly this morning, Steve. We need the breakfast. We need the... When do you stop saying Happy New Year? When do you stop saying... I mean, am I supposed to say... Because every presenter today will say Happy New Year. Because that's the start of their programme. So Ian will be saying it and everybody else will be saying Happy New Year. Whereas I've said it. I thought that covered it, but it doesn't. Everybody's got to do it themselves, haven't they? So Happy New Year and you think... Because somebody might just have woken up. So, does that mean by the time we get to this evening, people will still be saying Happy New Year? Good Lord above. And some people are staying to next week. <laughs> I can't be bothered with the sales, though, I have to be honest. Steve Allen on LBC. Lydia Dim was on Celebrity Mastermind last night, and you're right. She's as thick as... She wasn't, seriously. They didn't seriously use her on, uh, on Celebrity Master. Please tell me that was a joke. Please tell me that was a joke. I mean, she... Oh, dear me. <laughs> that's Ian. So Lydia Dim on Celebrity Mastermind. Do you think that actually you don't want to embarrass yourself, do you? We're having a check, actually. I saw Anne Widdicombe, says Sarah in Southwold, in Panto last Sunday. One word. Couldn't act a way out of a paper bag. Dreadful. So Celebrity Mastermind was... Who have we got? Who are the people? So you've got... Um, you've got some presenter called Phil Williams. No idea. Sorry, dear. Edinburgh Comedy Award-winning comedian John Robbins. Tim... Oh, he's on one of our sister stations. Uh, Tim Farron, MP. And the only way is Essex is Lydia Bright. Oh, my God. Well, that's scraping the barrel, isn't it? I mean, that must have been really embarrassing, because I can't imagine her knowing anything at all. Absolutely nothing at all. Maybe she doesn't know anything about anything. And it's the voice. Yeah, because, like, you know, it's a bit like putting Gemma Collins on something like that. Sorry, and your name is? Pass. No, your name, your name, dear. What was your name? That's <laughs> a trick question. You know, I'm the GC, and I'm the GC. Everybody knows who I am. I'm GC. Yeah, but who are you? G GC. Yeah, what does that mean? I don't know. GC, Jesus Christ. I don't know. It's, it's like something like that, because I'm on the television. Oh, right. And yet we saw somebody on television unburdening themselves yesterday. It's one of these psychiatrist programmes, but they're doing it for money. They're sitting in a chair, and it's being filmed. And it was some poor old soul from, from one of the, might have been Geordie Shaw or something like that, who, who was so desperately unhappy with her life that she'd spent 20 grand on cosmetic surgery and she'd had Botox and fillers and just got more and more depressed. And I kept thinking to myself, well, stop doing it. Why don't these people have friends 
The answer is they don't have friends. They have people that they have sex with. And that's about as good as you get. Basically, once they disappear from grace, they disappear completely. Nobody's interested in them. And then they have to go and find a proper job. And it was, was it Megan, somebody? What's that? Is that... Wait a minute. What do you reckon? What do you reckon, ladies and gentlemen? Lydia, I'll have to do it after the news. That Lydia Bright, specialist subject. Should we have a very, very quick, quick listen? OK, here we go. And your name is? Lydia Bright. Your chosen charity? Bernardo's. And your chosen subject? Sex in the City. Sex in the City. Here we go. We have to come back to that. I can't wait to see how, how she does. What's your chosen subject, dear sex? Oh, sorry, in the city. In the city. Why does she sound like a three-year-old? Anyway, how, how well does she do? You'll have to wait and find out. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. I've still got time to squeeze in a little more of my favourite bits from this week's shows. Let's start here. Now, I don't want you to think, ladies and gentlemen, I'm being cruel this morning. But when somebody says that Lydia Dim... You know, Lydia, like, go out with Arge. And then she stopped going out with Arge, and then Arge bedded her again, and then she stopped going out with Arge, and then Arge bedded her again. And so they put her on Celebrity Mastermind. Big mistake. Big mistake. Her chosen subject, as you know, was Sex in the City. So she she does reasonably well on Sex in the City. She managed to get the staggering amount of six points. Six points. And and then after that comes the general knowledge. And that's where, you you know, if you haven't done very well in your specialist subject, you hope that you're going to do really well. Now, I don't want to say she's stupid, but put it this way. Let me tell you the scores. Tim Farron won with 24 points, 24 points. That's I don't know if that's considered good or that's OK. Uh, next down with 20 points is John Robbins. John Robbins works for us on our radio station, Radio X, just around the corner. And he got 20 points. Third place, some bloke off a radio station we've never heard of, got 18 points, which is OK. So 24 was the top point. 20 was second. 18 for the bloke off the radio station we've never heard of. And Lydia Dim, eight. Eight points. In other words, six for her chosen subject, Sex in the City. And on general knowledge, she was as thick as a five-year-old who had never been to school or ever educated. She got two points. That's how thick she is. What on earth were you thinking about, dear? Going on a television programme, it's called... Have you ever seen it? What do you think it was programmes about? What's your favourite colour? Orange. You know, I mean, two points in the general knowledge is basically somebody who's so dim they've fallen off the scale. Why did you do it? You were too stupid for words. You know, it wasn't even clever. It was just embarrassing. For you. For you. You've made yourself out to be a real thicko. Two points in the general knowledge. Good God, even I could have done better than that. I mean, she was so daft to get on general knowledge two points. Why would you go on there? I know, but why would you go on a programme? You would have a rough idea watching it. It's like, I can never do University Challenge. No, I don't think the money's huge. It's BBC, small checks. Very small checks. It's like Steve Allen on University Challenge. You know, I, I don't even understand the questions half the time. I'd have to go on the, on the junior version. And even then, I think we'd be pushing the boat out a little bit. But it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that you watch people on there and you think, how can you not know the answer to it? Sometimes I watch The Chase with Bradley Walsh. That's very good. And I watch the other one where they've got the, the tipping machine that goes backwards and forwards. And some of those are really simple questions. Sometimes they're a little bit difficult. But if you think you don't stand a chance, don't go on the programme. Obviously, they've phoned her up. Somebody in the office is having a laugh. 
at her expense. And they've gone, oh, hello, Lydia. Hello. My name's Charlotte from the BBC. And uh, we were wondering, wondering, we were in the office, if you'd like to do Celebrity Mastermind. Hoping she'll go, I don't know what that is. But she didn't. And so they went with it. And they're going, I can't believe it. She said she'll do it. I went, oh, right. Do you, do you test them out on questions? No, they just rely on the fact they've all seen the programme and they know what it is. And there it all went horribly wrong. Because you just don't do things like that. You just you just can't can't do it. It's not good. Uh, Jane says, you wait till you hear Lydia Dim's answer to the question about a native bird to the UK. You will absolutely wet yourself with laughter. Can we hear this one? So, th- so the d- do we hear the we hear we have got the question. So this, I mean, I'm not doing this to be cruel. I'm doing this to point out the error of some people's ways. Why she put herself up for it, I've got no idea. So here comes the question. Buicks and Whooper, which are winter visitors to Britain, and the Mute, which is with us all year round, a species of a large water bird. Which bird? Um, flamingo. Swan. Under what name did the New Zealand-born singer Ella Yelich O'Connor have a UK number one hit with Royals in 2013? Oh, I've never heard of her pass. Mm, I'm sorry, flamingo, flamingo, native bird to this country, flamingo. I mean, and the worst thing is, I I don't think she's being ironic. I don't think she thinks she's being ironic. I think she thinks, oh, people people think I'm really funny. No, I feel sad that somebody of your age thought the answer was flamingo. You know, when the answer was swan. I mean, close, sort of, in a roundabout way. One's pink, one isn't. And um, and that was and so it just went from bad to worse. So she scored two points in the general knowledge. I mean, we people were, were so wanting her to fail, and they they got what they wanted. It's odd, isn't it? Don't ever go on a program like that that that, that, that can embarrass you. And so she gets two points, taking her grand total in the show to eight. I mean, and then she, but the trouble is because she's used, she thinks she's she's famous. She thinks she's a celebrity, and then she goes, "I can't believe it." It's like Gemma Collins, you know. Why, why should I? Do, if you can't find me a boyfriend, she says to the people who are doing celebrities go dating, or as I prefer to call it, celebrities who can't find anybody. She goes on there and she says, "If you can't find me a boyfriend, then I'm I'm not going to do this or because you know I want you to find me a boyfriend." I'm thinking, but can't you find one for yourself? Among all the people that you hang around with. You know, is is there nobody who wants to go out with you? The answer is no, there isn't. There's a couple of ex-criminals who she's been out with, and that's about as good as it gets. And mainly they're going out with her out of sympathy because they're a bit desperate. They've come out of prison. All they've seen is blokes. They pro- oh, perhaps they think she's... Oh, I don't know. What goes on? It's all very strange, isn't it? All very strange. Steve Allen on LBC. The stars are out getting in skate shape. It's a load of people you've never heard of. So there's a guy called... This is in uh, the skating on ice thing, which they brought back, because basically ITV needs something to try and get some ratings again. Uh, Limar Obika. He's a singer. Ever heard of him? I've never heard of him in my entire life. How can this be skating with the stars? Kem Ketine is some little boy who, who was on a reality show on the television. And that's it. Brooke Vincent uh, from Coronation Street. Alex Beresford, the weatherman. He reads the weather on, on the television, and that's it. His, he says, I hope I'm as good as Ray Quinn. He says, I don't want to be boxed off as the weather guy. I know I can do more. Oh, God, nothing worse than delusional. Nothing worse. Oh, so right. So you're not really interested in being a weatherman. You're doing it to further a career. 
Apparently used to be a model. What does that tell you? Uh, Stephanie Waring. No, none on that one, I'm afraid. Apparently Hollyoaks. She says, I love dressing up. I can't wait to be a little doll. Slightly odd. Anthony Cotton. That's the gay one in Coronation Street. And in real life. And in Queer as Folk. In fact, just about everything. He just plays himself. Uh, Donna Airhead. Who is she? Nobody. Nobody. TV presenter. But that covers a multitude of sins, doesn't it? Uh, Perry Shakes Drayton. Hey. Sport of some kind. Yes, well, you're good there. That She's an athlete. Uh, she says, I'm in it for the glitz and the glamour. No, you're in it to further your career, dear. That's what you're in it for. Let's not be silly about it. Jake Quickenden. No, no. All he was, he was a singer. But, I mean, pfft, like anybody knows. And I'm a celebrity get-me-out-of-here star. But he didn't win anything. He's, he's just nothing at all. He says, I want to, to get to be a ten by the end. He says, I want to try... Ambitious things like backflips. Off you go then, dear. You go and do backflips. Uh, Max Evans. Go on, I defy anybody on that one. If you, I, I could have asked around. I could have asked. I could have stood in Leicester Square and gone, anybody ever heard of him? He's a rugby player. He says, I prefer to be showing a bit more skin. What have we got, a good agent or something? Cheryl Baker. I mean, she'll, she'll do well, I should imagine. And Candice Brown. Her claim to fame is she makes cakes. And those, ladies and gentlemen, are celebrities. I mean, the only ones would be, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Cheryl Baker, um, Brooke Vincent, and probably Anthony Cotton. But, you know, not stars or celebrities. They're just people who are well-known, except Cheryl Baker, who's in a very successful group. But, you know, the weatherman. Applications, incidentally, for those of you who didn't make it into the skating, are now open for Love Island. So if you fancy your chances with a bunch of old has-beens and a bunch of desperately sad, lonely people who can barely string two words together, that'll be the show for you. That'll be the one that can make your career. We remember that girl, don't we, who did very well because she actually had sex on television. Her mother thought that was good. I kind of reserve judgment on what I think about the mother and the rest of the family. Thank you very much indeed. And um, Steve, it didn't do Bonnie Langford so bad going on Dancing on Ice. EastEnders since. Yes, Chrissy, but it's not good. The weatherman from, from Good Morning Britain is hardly going to be forging a career. You know, he's quite clearly not very happy with what he's doing at the moment. That's why he's gone on to this, because judging from what he said, you know, I want to show people... It's, it's that, that usual classic old dreary line, you know. I want to show people the real me. We don't want to see the real you. We really don't. Just read the weather, dear, and then go and sit on a box in the corner and just wait till the next time. That's it, you know, because if you're doing a job hoping to further a career, you're doing it for the wrong reason. If I was running that programme and I'd read that quote from you saying, I want to show people there's more to me, you'd be out the door so fast. Your little legs would not hit the ground because you've got to have somebody who's committed. It's like me joining LBC and saying, actually, I'm not, re I'm not really that interested in this. I'm doing it until I get a better job. You know, that would be that would send warning signs out to everybody, including myself, that I'm doing it for the wrong reason. You know, for him to say, I want to show people that there's more to me. We don't want to see more of you, dear. Read the weather. I mean, I wonder, actually, which LBC presenter you would put into Skating on Ice with the stars? Which LBC presenter? Well, I mean, which LBC presenter would sort of... I mean, most of us would probably turn it down. Most of us would turn it down. But who, 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 who would be good at skating? I'm trying to think, actually. Who would be good at skating? Yeah, Beverly Turner. Be Bev would do it easy. She wouldn't have any problem. And also, she'd like wearing the short skirts. 
She likes wit because, you know, if you're attractive... I mean, I'm the same. I'm not, not with the short skirts, I want you to understand. I want you to think you're listening to a cross-dressing presenter. Not that there's anything the matter with cross-dressing presenters. I'm just saying I don't. OK, I'm more than happy in this off-the-shoulder uh, off little jumper, uh, which is quite nice. And um, and so, well, James O'Brien... No, he'd be used to, He'd be clinging onto the barriers. He'd be falling over every every which way but. Nick Ferrari, definitely not. Ian Dale would probably have a go at it, wouldn't he? Ian Dale would have a go at it. Ian Collins, would he do it? No, we don't think so. Nick Abbott, absolutely not within a million years. Darren Adam, no, no way. Matt Stadlin, yeah, he'd, he'd, he'd probably want to do it, I should imagine. And uh, who else? I'm trying to. Who else would would want to do it? Andrew Pierce, you. Could, I mean, seriously, you could have him as a little mascot. Andrew Castle would probably be very, very good at it. He'd be fine. But every, everybody else will be going. Now I'm not going to doing it. It's like you know, if they ask you to do, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. And uh, I don't want to say whether I've been asked to do it in the past because it's unnecessary. It embarrasses other people who probably haven't been asked. And, um, you know, and I always think to myself, I'm not that desperate. Eamon Holmes said the other week he didn't want to do I'm a celebrity. He said, I don't need the money. But it shouldn't be for that reason. It should be because I'm not a celebrity. You read, you're a presenter. You're not a celebrity. If you think you're a celebrity, if you're that delusional, you're in the wrong business. You know, that's, you know, it's just, it's different if you've achieved something in sport, but just sitting there reading something on a television and interviewing some people does not, I'm not a celebrity, I'm a radio presenter. That's what I do for a living. So, you know, I start off in my book. What did I mention? I have a book. And, you know, by saying I am not, never have been, never will be a celebrity. I'm a radio presenter. That's what I do for a living. That's what it says on my, my little card. It says Steve Allen, then a question mark. You know, is he a presenter? Of course he is. Why not? Those are all the highlights I've got time for this morning. Don't forget, I'm back live from five o'clock tomorrow morning and we'll be with you for the 4am spike all next week too. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.